Okay, folks, happy Monday morning and welcome to the Drop Zone. I'm Dylan DeChair here with Sean Zock. Our two biggest stories this week, number one, a bunch of PGA Tour players showed up at Bay Hill and a U.S. Open broke out. And number two, it's the start of the featured golf season, the big event golf season, the one large PGA Tour tournament per month season, whatever you want to call it. It's Players' Championship Week, Sean it's time for the best players in golf to start showing who they are. Uh, this week, it was Scotty Scheffler. Who will it be over the next four or five months? That's the question. Welcome to the Drop Zone. What do you got for us, Sean? I have an explanation for you about why the Drop Zone is the hottest podcast in the game. <laughs> because we have not one, we have two sponsors, Dylan, and it's time for the ad reads, first and foremost, the presenting sponsor. I thought you were talking about our looks based <laughs> off just the, well, the shirts that we're both I wearing kind of right am. now. I kind of am. The presenting sponsor of the Drop Zone, as you know, is our go-to apparel brand, Radmore. Radmore is a Seattle brand out near Dillon that is all about sustainability in clothing. Clothes made from natural fibers, things like cotton or this other thing called Tencel, I, I don't know much about Tencel. I've been reading about it today. That's a new one for me, but Tencel is a good thing. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out what's good for clothing, and Radmore has Tencel's good, out. microfiber's bad. Yes. Um, if you, Drop Zone Faithful, want to feel better about what you're existing with in nature, what's on your back, what you're wearing on the golf course, look at radmoregolf.com. That is R-A-D-M-O-R-G-O-L-F dot com. I am, I guess we're both rocking their polos right now. You've got the totally. orange one on. I've got a blue one on. The style is good, but I actually like the feel more than the style, frankly. Like, they're both good, but the feel, like when I, I just got out of the shower <laughs> and I, I don't want to go put on like a crusty old shirt that kind of is scratchy. I want something that's yeah. nice and soft and smooth and, and stretchy. And for another S word, sustainable. So that's Radmore. You hear cotton, Sean? You don't think comfortable. You're exactly right, though. Yep. Check them out at radmoregolf.com. And like I said, this is the hottest podcast in golf. We've got a second sponsor. Sounds very similar. <laughs> very different. Rockform. I'm talking Rockform speakers, Dylan. I believe you received a Rockform speaker in the mail this weekend. Is that right? I did. And there's... I have not gotten a chance to take it out on a golf cart yet, but I did set it up on the metal leg to my desk because, Sean, as you might tell the people, <laughs> there's some magnetic functionality going on here with our Rockform speakers. Yes, they are. They're called the G-Rock speaker. They are, I think I would call them heavy duty, but not heavy, right? Like they are robust. They're waterproof. They have a 24-hour uh, battery life. They have clamps on them. Like I, I could see you taking one and clamp it on your backpack when you go for a little Pacific Northwest hike. Sure. But as you said, they have magnets, powerful magnets, magnets that you will not forget. That's, I think, what makes them different uh, and makes them the best golf speaker because, as you said, clamp that thing onto the golf cart. <laughs> you can take the golf cart anywhere. It is not moving and it's not shuffling around. It's locked in with you and your golf game. Can you give the people a, a little bit of a hint as to how they might get a discount on their Rockform speaker, Sean? First, listen to the Drop Zone. Every single week, we're going to be giving you discounts. Secondly, 20% off. You just need to go to rockform.com. That's R-O-K-F-O-R-M.com. R-O-K, not R-O-C-K. You enter the code DZ20, DZ20 for 20% off. Go get yourself a speaker before the golf season gets started. I mean, sold and sold, Sean. I'm going to be going to both those websites, and I already have both those products. <laughs> Let's talk about Bay Hill. Hell yeah. Here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Pretty wild, wacky week on the PGA Tour. Uh, Rory McIlroy jumped out to a Thursday lead, shot seven under par, and then Sean is rolling his eyes on the Zoom call right now. Uh, he backed up. Everyone else, you know, went a little bit forward, a little bit back. Scotty Scheffler was the last man standing at five under par at the end of the week. 
Yeah. Um, you know what was sweet? I was watching... Five under par winning. That was kind of sweet. Yeah, exactly. I was watching in a bar because I was doing a little day drinking. It was 60 degrees in Chicago on Saturday. Absolutely Today? lovely. No, on Saturday. And Scotty Scheffler, okay. his name was just kind of... They weren't showing any highlights of him because he was so far on the course ahead of the leaders, but behind them in score. But he just kind of crept up there to the leaderboard. It was like, oh, Scotty's at five under Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. Gosh, I wonder I wonder if he could get it done in you know race of the leaderboard on the weekend. He didn't have to because he was at five under Saturday at 2 p.m. And he was at five under Sunday at 4 p.m. <laughs> all he did was play even par golf the last whatever, 18 to 20 holes. That's all he had to do because – Bale got absolutely wacky. Uh, what I what I was wondering, Dylan, though, is there was definitely a discussion online where there's a difference between like when we really want hard golf to see tour players struggle, and if that equates to the most entertaining golf, um, we're probably going to have this debate like five or six times this year. But I, I there is some like. There's some depth to it because Rory McIlroy, your boy, said afterward that like good shots were not getting rewarded, which I think is the only metric that actually matters. Now, I don't know if I agree with Rory because he wasn't playing good golf and he was a little bit butthurt about his play on the weekend, but <laughs> there there is a difference for the the intellectual, very knowledgeable golf fan who listens to this show, our show. There's, there can be a difference between hard golf and entertaining golf. Entertaining golf or hard golf can be entertaining, but it also can feel pointless at times. So is that what you saw when you were watching the play this weekend? Yeah. And I think it's a really fine line. And I I think that Rory McElroy in particular has every right to be frustrated by the course setup. Um and here, let me let me just read his quote coming off the golf course. Word for word. He said, I feel punch drunk to be honest. The weekend, it's like crazy golf. And actually, I'm curious about that phrase because I think, I think across the pond, crazy golf sometimes means mini golf. <laughs> we need the readers to chime in on this one. So when he's saying crazy golf, I don't know if he means like it's like mini golf or if he just I don't means know. like or he's pretty damn American like at this crazy point. Crazy <laughs> golf, man. Anyway, uh, he said you just don't get rewarded for good shots. Like I'm venting here and I'm frustrated and whatever. I think as well, the frustration is it's a carbon copy of what's happened the last three years here. I started off really, really well with a 66 or 65 Friday afternoon conditions got a little tougher Then over the weekend. It's sort of been the same stuff. So three years in a row, it's been sort of start off, lead the golf tournament. Then you sort of regress and come back to the field each and every day. It's frustrating. It's hard to keep your patience out there. How, so, how different was this golf course today than the one he played on Thursday? Take, I think pretty pretty different but like take, especially take mother nature into equation here right like mm -hmm. does that not matter was the fact that it was pretty much like 13 to 17 mile per hour throughout the weekend and like tougher pins a pretty big deal compared to whatever 65 he shot on thursday i think it was a very different golf course just because of how firm it got um and the guys that played thursday morning like rory did Got a little bit of a chance to play a more receptive golf course. Rory is famously better on more receptive golf courses. <laughs> Looked like a world beater. And then he just didn't do it on the weekend. He made a bunch of bogeys. Uh, you saw, I mean, I guess it's a it's a lack of precision. It, it's, it's the sort of thing that has made Rory maybe not play that well in U.S. Opens that have been on baked out golf courses in recent British years. opens, uh, British opens, you know, it's like you, you need a real, real precision of, uh, knowing, knowing to the, you know, two or three yards where your golf ball is going to land. It didn't look like he had that. It looked like he had selective control over his ball flight in the wind. And then, yeah, there's, there's golf shots that he hit that, you know, could have, he could have gotten a little bit luckier, but also like he, he three putted from four feet today on the <laughs> yeah. seventh hole. Um, he wasn't saving so if he doesn't do that, anywhere. all of a sudden he's probably in the mix. I don't know. I, I guess here's my point. These, these golfers have every right to be frustrated by these conditions because it looks exhausting. 
they even have every right to to talk about. I mean, I want them to be honest about how it feels and what it's like. I don't think we have to, you know, bully them for speaking honestly about that. But I also reserve my right to be entertained watching it and to enjoy that. Yeah, I I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for post 76 76 weekend Rory who decides that his golf shots his style of golf, his through the air Americanized style of golf isn't succeeding at a course that isn't like it. You're, it just doesn't the guard. The course doesn't want that Rory. The, the course doesn't want that from Tyrrell Hatton. You know, Victor Hovland kind of plays that style of golf and he just backed up and backed up and backed up on the weekend too. Like Rory doesn't quite have the like dexterity I don't think to his game that maybe, maybe he had when he was growing up in, in Northern Ireland. Um, I don't want to make this all about Rory. It's hard not to, when he speaks his mind and shoots 65 on Thursday and then just backs up the, Steadily the, worse. the rest of the entire week. Um, 65, 72, 76, 76. I think Rory reached nine under at one point on Friday. And then, man, just a, a march backwards. He, he I mean, doesn't there were some have exciting that game. That- like, I don't, I don't want us to gloss over the fact that he, that like Rory, because he talks so well and is so great in the press conferences that like we can't poke holes in his game. Remember last week when we were talking about like special feeds that we would have, we'd set up with ESPN mm-hmm. Plus, and I said I want a Shane Lowry on tough golf courses feed. Because Shane Lowry is so creative with his wedges. He is he's just like the purest mid-iron ball striker that you that maybe has come out of Ireland in the past 20 years. Uh and <laughs> I know that's kind of harsh. You would have been but I would have said that about Rory McElroy a long time ago. Uh and I just I'm not in a rush to say it anymore. And so I guess what I'm what I'm getting to is that. I don't have a Rory playing golf, like tough golf courses feed because I don't think he would I don't think that would be that entertaining. He doesn't have that. He hasn't shown that he had it, has it? Padraig Harrington was three strokes better on the weekend than Rory McIlroy at Bay Hill. That's sick. Unfortunate. That's a um, great example of evidence I think for for a guy who can play tough golf courses and a guy he just sometimes can't. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the numbers, uh, Rory was really good off the tee. He was terrific off the tee in the first round. Um, hit one OB, I think, on on Saturday, so that obviously hurt his numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, was not good putting. 49th in the field in strokes gained putting. Uh, and then really middle of the pack around the green, middle of the pack with his uh, with his iron play. But, you know, in the third round, he was 66th in iron play. So uninspiring, I guess, but we should, I guess, probably get off Rory because I, I know that he <laughs> kind of speaks to the, the, the larger, one more, uh, I have one more point here. on Rory. I have one more yeah, point I want to get to. Sorry for venting here, but I just, I rolled my eyes through the back of my head. My eyes were cartwheeling through my eye sockets on <laughs> Thursday when, because Rory shot seven under. On a golf course in which early in the week he has done that in the past. We have our good friends at No Laying Up, our 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 good friend Dan Rappaport, all saying, Oh gosh, it's such a great sign to see Rory hitting the ball so well. This is a great sign before the players and the masters. This is this is great to see out of Rory. I thought Rory shooting five or six under whatever at Bay Hill was like the most predictable thing ever. And and what was so <laughs> predictable also was him backing up when the course got hard. Like I was just annoyed at how we were anointing Rory this week. And I don't even know where the guy finished, but did he finish? T13. Okay. He didn't finish in the top 10. The, he is one of the most fun golfers to play. And I, I think like like Nulling Up and like Dan, we all want to see him play great golf. Mm-hmm. That, that exists. Yeah. And as much as I may rag on him, I desperately want to see him play great golf, contend for a major. I, I do at my core want to see that. But enough of us like pretending like it's going to happen after a 65 on Thursday at Bay Hill. The guy comes and goes and comes and goes and he wins 
uh, you know, the Zozo or whatever event he won this fall, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a race to 26 under. That's that's Rory Golf right now. Trying to win on an event at four or five under is not Rory Golf. I think that's right. I, and in terms of looking ahead, I'm not sure what it means for the players. Um, I think it probably does mean good things for the Masters. If sure. The, if Augusta plays relatively you know, scorable and, and the winning scores in that 15 to 20 under range as, yeah. as it has been a bunch in the last few years, that probably bodes well. He's playing good golf. I don't think there's any uh, big issue with Rory McIlroy's game. But yeah, this wasn't it. No. Sorry, we can get back to the rest of the tournament now. I want to talk about Scotty Scheffler just for a moment um, because he did win the golf tournament. He's now won two out of his last three starts going quickly from someone that was ascending that, you know, best player never to have won on the PGA Tour to a dude. I mean, he's number five in the world now. Um, He was the man for the moment today. He did not make a bogey on the back nine when the back nine was, I don't know what the stats were, about 480,000 over par on the weekend. Uh, he made a single birdie at number 12, the par five, and then he, he rammed in a couple long par putts coming home. I think he made a long one on 15, had a good uh, par putt on 16, and then 18. I mean, he he hit his tee shot in the rough. He could only go to the left edge of the green. He hit a perfect shot to still leave himself like 70 feet for birdie uh, and basically a two putt for the win. And he just hit the best putt. It died about six, eight inches short of the cup. Stress-free tap-in. Congratulations to Mr. Scotty Scheffler. Um, also, he hit it all over the place. Yeah. On Sunday, <laughs> off the let, that's what you got to talk Absolutely about. Absolutely everywhere. Line. Would you say that the word swashbuckling <laughs> applies <laughs> to Scotty Scheffler? Yeah. Yeah, I think it so does. Too. I mean, it looks like the dude's going to fall over every time he hits driver. And somehow he's the guy that emerges on a day where you would think where you would think it would be someone, yeah. I don't know, more like someone steadier. Like if yes. you think about the if if this is a U.S. Open test and, you know, 20 years ago, the way people talked about U.S. Opens was like Corey Pavin winning or something. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler is the anti Corey Pavin. He was. <laughs> Almost dead last in strokes gained off the tee on Sunday, and he played one of the best rounds, given his position, maybe the best round of the day. Yeah, uh, I want to give you some yeah. hard some hard numbers here, Dylan. Give me some numbers, some analytics. Scotty Scheffler, his tee shot on four on fifteen today, he lost nearly an entire shot. <laughs> strokes gained minus point eight four on that one tee shot today. It's that like Jeez. dog leg right. He it's went not, it is a left. not easy tee shot. My goodness. <laughs> no. And, uh, his strokes gained, uh, approach, I guess his, his strokes gained approach would be on that hole. I guess he made a good third shot, but it was from that horrible tee shot that he like tried punch, like punch hooking, uh, a little shot from the pine straw. It didn't work out his tee shot on 16 par five. Again, almost lost a full stroke minus 0.69 strokes like that is the essence of how Seve played how like errant tiger played how phil mickelson at times has played where these guys they are in danger of missing it left and missing it right and somehow some way they get the damn ball in the hole it's super fun golf to watch speed is is very much that way too um i don't think we're necessarily seeing it like he probably hits it further than speed but he kind of plays that way. It's it's a ton of fun to watch. And I, I feel like Hovland was probably like feeling like he was getting robbed out there. I mean, Scheffler stayed at five under essentially the entire the entire weekend. And Hovland just slowly but surely came didn't back. Make, yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. I don't know. I think uh I think like Scheffler v. Hovland is something that we're gonna probably see for a long, long time coming. Like how, like feels like Scheffler has staying power. He's the number five player in the world now. It's funny the way we talk about these guys because Scheffler, you know, when you th- when you think about elite ball strikers, you know, the mind jumps to someone more like Morikawa, Tiger, Justin Thomas, like people with beautiful, compact, uh, repeatable looking golf swings. Scotty Scheffler 
doesn't look like he is. But I guess in in a slightly more similar vein to Jordan Spieth, you might see him all over the place, but then you might see him just dialed in. And that's what he seemed like he was with his irons on the weekend. He was putting it where he wanted. Uh, if we're talking hard numbers, he gained 2.1 strokes uh, approaching the green on Saturday, 2.99 strokes on Sunday. And he was playing in the most difficult conditions of the day, both days. So, I mean, that's ridiculous. That combined, he was number one uh, by a good amount. In, in terms of iron play on the week, that's definitely what won him the golf tournament. Uh, and it's and it's really what won him the tournament on 18, too, was being in the rough, but muscling the ball to the exact spot that he needed to put it. So, yeah, Scotty Scheffler, good ball striker. Two and a half, three and a half years ago, I'll see if you remember this, you and I went to the Bears Club to do a cover shoot with Brooks Kepka. Remember that day? I remember it well. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget talking to Brooks's agent, Blake Smith, that day. Now, agents, you know, they got to hype their guys up, right? But I'll never, for sure. I'll never forget, Brooks is posing for our player of the year shoot. You know, I think he had done an ESPN, the magazine shoot, or that, you know, the body issue was coming out the next spring. <laughs> and it, like, it was all about Brooks. But his agent, Blake, I'll never forget, he told me, he's like, look, you know, Brooks is... is really damn damn good but the guy that you need to look out for is my other client scotty scheffler scotty was ranked uh outside the top 1400 in the world at that point he was 1480 and um he had shown that he can hang on like tough golf courses and long golf courses when he contended for like a half minute at aaron hills oddly enough the one that brooks also won so it's a good week for the agent blake smith but yeah, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, I believe you. I guess you gotta you gotta ride for your guy, Scotty Scheffler. I'm sure he's gonna be pretty good. But Scotty stayed four years in college. Like he, this is a guy who got his degree, and he's a he's he's a Dallas kid. He's from Jersey, which is you know I think he gets a lot of credit for like being able to play courses that are tough. He's a Texan, as if he was a Texan. But he's actually from Jersey. Um, so I don't know if that means anything, but. He feels like he, gosh, if you're a top five player in the world, you have to become half of a favorite to win a major, right? We get dudes pinging into the top five left and right these days. (laughs) I mean, think about the people that have visited that spot the last few months. You got Patrick Cantlay was popping in there. Victor Hovland is there to stay, it seems like. Colin Morikawa, of course, like jumped to number two and almost to number one. Now Scotty Scheffler's in there. Rory was back in there for for a hot minute. Um, the top five feels, it just feels like there's a ton of changeover. I'm I'm just surprised looking at Scotty Scheffler's stats that the weakest part of his game is his driver this year, our FedEx cup leader, Sean, Mm. as he was reminded right after winning number one in the FedEx cup, uh, thanks mostly to everything else besides his T game. Technically that dude could become the number one player in the world if he wins at Sawgrass. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, don't think it's going to happen. Crazy if it did. The number one player in the women's game. Can we talk about her? Yeah, just a couple more little fun nuggets. Like the fact that Tyrrell Hatton shot 78 on Saturday and still finished T2. Pretty sick. Um, he, I think there were two rounds in the 60s on Sunday. One belonged to Tyrrell Hatton, who shot 69, moved up from 12th to 2nd. The other belonged to Lucas Herbert, who moved from 33rd to T7, pretty meaningful mm-hmm. for that guy. Um, shout out Victor Hovland. I mean, still just racking up top finishes. And Billy is Bay Horschel. Hill a resort? It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bay Hill Resort and Club. I was thinking a lot about that. Our resort king. But, I, you know, look, understandable for him to be confused. If, if <laughs> I don't think Hovland really wants to win all the resorts. I don't want people to take this the wrong way because I am... I am we as a podcast are very much uh, admirers of Mr. Palmer, but <laughs> however, when you think elite resort, you don't necessarily think, oh, I'm going to head to Florida, Orlando. That's not where Hav is getting it done at this point. I'm pretty sure you had a, a buddy's trip, Michi in Orlando one time. Didn't that happen? Yeah, we're in a different tax bracket than Mr. Hav. Mm. 
It's centrally located. Look, you got some great direct flights. Seattle to Orlando. I'll be on a flight. I'll be on that exact flight in, you know, about 48 hours. Gross. Jacksonville is a nightmare to fly to from Seattle, but that's that's for another podcast. All right. Uh, let's talk about Jin Young Ko. Unreal. Not, not going to uh, be appreciated quite to the extent that she deserves to be at this point. Right. Well, it's up to us right now, isn't well, it? It's up to us and a lot more people. But as for the drop zone, we will appreciate her. She wins. She accomplished some kind of ridiculous numbers. You know, at some point, like she, her numbers are so ridiculous, like they have to get more ridiculous for us to pay attention to them. <laughs> um, but fifteen straight rounds in the sixties, I think that's right, and mm-hmm. thirty consecutive rounds under par. Under par. Yep. Uh, that's that's quite good. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the way the schedule works, it's happening, you know, a day early. It's it, They're playing in Asia right now. So all these people that are watching the players this coming week, just keep your golf channel on. Keep NBC on. Sure. Or, or you know, flip back to the golf channel when the players' coverage is done because then you'll have the LPGA in prime time on Saturday night playing winning contending Sunday golf, um, over in Asia, little nightcap. Yeah. Yeah. They're in Singapore this week. Um, so yeah, I know it always sneaks up on you when the guys go over there, when the women go over there, it's like doing the math, doing the time change. Uh, but what you can set your clock to the fact that Jin Young Ko is going to basically hit every single green in regulation. <laughs> and then she's going to, you know, shoot around in the sixties. I mean, yeah, I asked this on Twitter today, Sean. But what do you think the golf course would look like for you to shoot uh, thirty consecutive rounds under par? What are we talking? Thirty in a row, not not miss one. What's par, or how short is the golf course? I mean, the golf course is like it's like a par seventy two. That's like three thousand yards, <laughs> right? It's a, I mean, it's part. It's a bunch of par threes. Yeah, if we're talking that are par threes and fives. I mean, yeah. If it's all par threes, it's a par fifty-four, which means that you would not be able to shoot uh, eighteen over par even once in thirty tries. Yeah, it's just not going. It's a little worrisome. <laughs> oh yeah. How about you? <laughs> I mean, someone, our 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 friend Robbie. Callan suggested that you just change all the par fours to par fives, make everything, make it essentially like a par 82 without changing the length. I think that I would have a solid shot at that. I don't think I'm going to shoot worse than 82 very often, but in 30 rounds, I sure might. Yes. (laughs) So I don't know, especially in the heat of competition, once things start going the wrong direction. Yeah. That's insane level of consistency. It's a little alarming to think about. I mean, and she hit, I don't. I don't have the number in front of me now of just how many greens and regulations she hit in a row, but it, it's it's like it's like sixty. It's upsetting something. to me. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 incredible. I mean, you could put you could put some of the best golfers in the world on a dead flat golf course with no obstacles and no wind. The best men in the world yeah. for sure, and yeah, you're gonna have some guys that hit. Yeah, you'll hit some, you'll hit a pull. You'll catch one a little heavy. Something will happen. You will miss that green. It just doesn't happen to her. It's incredible. Um, I'm glad that we're appreciating it. Yeah. I uh, I I didn't get to watch that much this week, except as you said, kind of like flipping on Golf Channel in odd hours. But um, yeah, I'm like kind of speechless about this because it seems like how could anyone else approach this level of golf? Um, she only won by two, but yeah, well there's, yeah, there's going to be things that she, that she does that I think a lot of men just can't do, which is pretty sweet. (laughs) Uh, the levels of like rounds at or under par, that's kind of like John Rahm esque, And right. So we have been, we've spent the last 12 months swooning over John Rahm, the top tens that he was recording, how he's always in consider, uh, in contention and not just that, that he just never falls off. He rarely ever misses the cut. Those those type of Tiger Woods, I will not miss this cut type of second rounds when you 
when you shoot 72 in the first round and you kind of have to shoot four under. So you shoot five under in the second round. Um, those, that kind of consistency, you, you really can only see it in like one person every year. If that, and Rom was all about that last year. So if we were going to go crazy over John Rom, we have to go crazy over Jin Young Ko as well. So I'm pretty comfortable with us devoting plenty of time on the drop zone about it. It is an interesting uh, contrast that it sets up with Nelly Corda. They won't play in the same field again until the Chevron, uh, which I think is Jin Young Ko's next start on the LPGA Tour. But um, they definitely play a slightly different style of game. Uh, you know, it, it's too simple to say like power versus consistency, but uh, Nelly seems like she overpowers the golf course where Jin Young Ko just fires dart after dart after dart. Um, I mean, there, there were some birdies being made. This was certainly not Bay Hill uh, over the weekend in, in Singapore. Minji Lee birdied six of her last seven holes, seven birdies on the back nine. I think like right now, nine birdies in the last I would 12 s- holes. I would totally sign up for a duel. A true duel, Nelly versus Jing Young Ko, and which I don't really care about anyone else in the field for that exact. Like I want them to settle the debate right now, and um, and to like have a back nine down the stretch where you're where those do two different styles of golf are going back and forth, where you can see how Nelly's overpowering type of game meshes or or is di- different and distinct from Jin Young Ko's. Um, and the only reason I think that's relevant is because like, I don't think that exists on the men's game right now where there's like, there maybe was when it was like Bryson, uh, you know, I would have taken like Bryson versus Morikawa for like the last 10 holes of a tournament and like see them trade blows. Um, but, mm-hmm. I, but I don't really think that exists in the men's game. So if we could get that at a big time women's event, holy cow, I think, I think people would learn a lot. I love it. Well, maybe we will. The week before Augusta, the Chevron. The cool thing about the best women in the world in is they keep winning a lot. There's always going to be this like turnover, like you just said, with the top five players in the men's game. But like Nelly won five times last year. Jin mm-hmm. Young Ko won five times last year. It doesn't look like either of them are letting their foot off the gas. So yeah, we probably will. Like the best, sure. the best players. Yeah, they could each definitely win five times this year. They seem like they're the two best golfers in the world. I mean... Yeah, in the it's for a little while there that wasn't the case in the women's game, um, where there was a real revolving door in the major championships for sure. Um, but it kind of goes in waves. Yeah, the men's so like game goes we got to appreciate it game while goes we have waves. It. Let's discuss the pip. <laughs> you want to talk pip? We have to talk pip. The player impact program. I was just trying to understand the timeline of this whole thing when I was going to write about it this past week. We we got the announcement on March 2nd. Um, we knew that it was being discussed late in February, maybe who had won. We knew that it ran for 2021 through the end of, um, of the year. So th- until New Year's Day of 2022 is when they shut the... <laughs> the analytics down. Um, we knew that Phil late in December had announced that he had won, um, despite Tiger's birthday still <laughs> being on the calendar. Um, we knew uh, we knew that Brooks and Bryson were very much thinking about it when they were getting all excited for their match in November. Um, we had it initially announced via Eamon Lynch of Golf Week in late April. Um, and that it became an immediate discussion with all kinds of players. We knew a lot of players don't love it. Um, and we, we, I guess we, you dial back the timeline and we've had almost a full year of pip talk and finally we got the results and tigers one, Phil is two, Rory's three. That's probably pretty predictable. Um, speed four, Bryson five, JT six, still quite predictable. Dustin Johnson, yep. seven. That's a little surprise. Brooks Kepka eight. Not a surprise. John Robb, nine. Not all that surprising. Bubba Watson, 10. <laughs> that that felt surprising. What were your uh, takeaways right away from, from how this was all released? Well, my first takeaway is, okay, now this thing's out there. It's one thing when it's just 
an incentive for people to go out and get on social media and do some posting, get Bubba on TikTok, you know, Brooks and Bryson to do their thing. Now are there more than 10 people that are happy this exists? Nope. <laughs> 10 plus plus agents and teams and hangers on. Are there more than 10 PGA Tour players? Colin Morikawa not is, happy. Uh, taking it as a badge of honor that he finished 11th, allegedly. Yeah. We don't know if that's true. They only released the top 10. Uh, I mean, could be could be like kind of a film move from him. I mean, maybe he finished like 23rd, but... <laughs> You know, in some ways, you want to at least be the first part of guy the in out, crowd. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, considering he's a major champion, I'd like to think that he at least finished eleventh. Um, I was surprised that Ricky Fowler was not on the list. This felt like the ultimate thing created for Ricky Fowler to still dominate, given his presence in commercials, on social media, uh, in news coverage, in name recognition. So. I'm curious just how tell you close why. he was. I'm also curious why? about that. But I think what I learned from the top 10 PIP standings from 2021 is that you need to be relevant. You got to be mm-hmm. relevant. Got to be on TV. You got to be on TV. You got And Ricky has no problem getting on TV. But uh, I don't think Ricky played in all of the majors last year. Um, and that hurts you quite a bit. Um, Ricky... Was yes, not in contention. He did not play in the Masters. Ricky was not in contention last year. Uh, maybe until uh, October, I think, at, at the the Zozo. Um, so one time in contention, you're not getting your sponsors. Your Nielsen score is not going to be up there. Ricky did not say a lot of things. You got to be able to say things to create headlines, to bring attention to the PGA Tour. Ricky was not playing good golf, not getting press conferences, and not saying much. So he wasn't, we weren't writing about Ricky Fowler. We were writing. Did not appear on the drop zone. Also didn't come on our podcast, but we write about everything Tiger Woods says. We write about a lot of things that Rory McIlroy says. We write blogs about what Jordan Spieth does in the sand trap. Ricky Fowler wasn't, wasn't doing any of that. So I'm ultimately like when you, when you factor in that there are five metrics and they are all equally weighted, wasn't surprised. He's he's welcome on the drop zone. Would love would love nothing more. Come on to discuss. Maybe do you think rookie? Do you think his thoughts? Do you think Ricky cares though that he didn't win money for the pit? I mean, prob- um, probably, but like, if he if yes. he had to ask his like truest self, did I was I the, a, a top ten like positive income? Did I deserve to be on? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's fair. I, I think that if, if Ricky. I think that Ricky has been honest about saying, look, I'm not playing at the level that I would like to be. He's For number sure. 122 in the world. He's he's not trending in a positive direction yet. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just still thought that he would be. But Justin Rose is in a lot of ads, too, and I definitely didn't expect him to be on, on the pip list. So uh, anyone else you were surprised was not on it? Uh, I'm, Those top nine, you probably would have been able to pick. Your boy Max Homa was not on the list. And I think that's how we learned, again, that there are five metrics involved here. Max is mm-hmm. a extremely lovable dude. Fun, easygoing, will talk to anyone, has a ton of fun on social media. And by, yeah. by that, actually, I mean he has fun on Twitter almost exclusively. He is not, yeah, he's yeah. not on uh, I don't think he's on TikTok. I don't think he's very active on on Instagram. I know he's not on, uh, doing anything on Facebook. Or at least I don't think he is. He, he's out. He's out. <laughs> send- I, I can't speak to that to be honest. But he's he's out sending tweets, making jokes, roasting swings, and doing it all on Twitter. And you know what? Twitter's not real life, Sean. Twitter's not real it's life, not. and it's not uh, the biggest deal. And I I'm sure. Um, well, he's talked about it this week. He's not, he's not that thrilled with his finish. I think he was in the in the in the twenties. He finished maybe in the pip standings. Oh, in the pip? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I don't know. So the players did the players know where they finished? If a player wants to know, they can find out on their own. But there's uh, not a full standing, so we should definitely get Martin Trainer to make the request. Oh, yes. To find out where he finished, just so um, that's a, so we that's can a good know. Idea. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think Max 
everyone wanted him to to be on in in part because he he does bring good attention to the PGA Tour. He tells the truth. He won twice last year. He is he's an honest guy when it comes to his interviews and vulnerability and all those things. I would say he's a top 20, top 10 role model on the PGA Tour for how Oh. Would you disagree? No, I I I kind of like where you're headed here. Maybe role models should this be a metric. Be, look, most wholesome golfers. Yeah, he totally is. You know, where are we as a country in a tour if not rewarding that sort of behavior? Well, Ricky Fowler was named one of the world's nicest, best mannered people. Yes, and I would say Ricky is a phenomenal by the National role model. Junior Cotillion League a few years ago. I wrote a story about it. Yeah, I recall. Oh. That was early blogging days. So, anyways, that I think the case for Max is uh, it's a little more. Complex. So you were surprised, but you weren't, or you were you were not more surprised, people were surprised you were than I was. I think we just learned that hey, mm. like social media is a tricky metric to dominate your your reach on social media, and it's it's way more than just popping off tweets. It's it's what yeah. Bubba Watson did. Bubba Watson was number one. Social media reach one. Why? Because he gets like five hundred thousand people to watch his TikToks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a good tweet from uh, Gabby Herzig at Golf Digest, just being like, "Look, if you guys are surprised by Bubba being on here, it's because you're not on golf TikTok." And it was just a screenshot of his like homepage, all of which are, I mean, Bubba is the perfect TikTok golfer. You know, despite his not afraid to dance, relatively a advanced age, not afraid to dance, not afraid to, you know, he can work the ball pretty good, and not afraid to kind of uh, look dumb, for lack of a better phrase. I don't mean that literally dumb. Just not, you're not afraid to get a little silly. The other Max Homa, four top twenties in his last five starts, Sean. Yeah, might even get a little TV time. He keeps that up. The the last takeaway that I think followers of the drop zone need to have is that the difference between Spieth, who finished fourth, and Tiger, who finished first, is a, is greater than the distance between Spieth, who finished fourth, and Bubba, who finished tenth. Like, essentially, the standings get extremely, extremely tight. The difference between, like, Brooks Kepka at eight and John Rahm at nine is, like, frankly... If John Rahm would have like won a major, I think he's going to have more headlines that come out, and he's going to have a higher Q score. He did win a major, another major. I meant, <laughs> uh, you know, his his Google searches are going to be higher, and he's going to suddenly probably earn five hundred thousand more dollars via the pip. So it gets super tight, and when Colin Morikawa, if what he alleged is correct, um, finished eleventh, I'm sure he is like extremely close to Bubba Watson. If if Morikawa has a TikTok account, that might be that might literally be enough for him mm-hmm. to get into the pit. That might be enough. And so maybe there's a takeaway for some of those guys. A lot of it might be, hey, play better. Hey, become yeah. well, more sort involved. of. But I don't know. I, this is my biggest <laughs> takeaway. Is all right. Let's run through the uh, the top ten in the world right now. John Rahm, number one in the world, barely squeaked onto the top ten in the list. Number two, Colin Morikawa. Number three, Victor Hovland. Number four, Patrick Cantley. Number five, Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> eh, all shut out. Uh, Rory McIlroy, obviously on there. Number seven, Xander Shoffley. Not on there. Uh, then you have JT, DJ, Cameron Smith, and Hideki, 10 and 11. Not, not in the top 10 of the pip. So it's not a direct correlation to recent good play it's more of like a career achievement award for being a famous golfer that's that's how it feels to me yeah i don't think you're wrong but there's definitely room for other people i mean to to move up the rankings what would you do would you change the this was a a question on tour confidential tonight would you would you burn it up would you i mean it's easy to say yeah let's get rid of this this thing's dumb but might need it there let's not forget the reason it exists might need to tighten things a little bit I need to get back into this. The exists algorithm. as a way to funnel money to to golfers who are good for the PGA Tour, essentially, right? So, I think that it's it's almost like not a thing that we're supposed to have an opinion on. I mean, we can have an opinion on it, but that's not the point. The point is to get 
these guys money uh, so that they are not swayed by another tour that would more directly give them money. I think pretty simply. I think, I think just people need to remember what's involved here. There are five things like take, let's take, for example, a friend of the program, Joel Damon and Harry Higgs taking their shirts off at TPC Scottsdale. Um, Not in contention, mind you, but they got their they got their bodies out there um, on TV, no doubt, and on social media. Um, That's literally exposure right yeah, there that but you, like you can't pay for. Harry Higgs tweets not not involved like on Instagram that much. Joel Damon probably a little bit of both. Um, don't don't know if those guys are on TikTok, but they're not on TikTok like Bubba Watson is. So like in the social media reach, they're just not going to rank that high. Q score. Do you think a lot of people know Joel Damon or Harry Higgs? Do you know them more because of what they did? Sure. But are they are they well known to my dad? If if you walk <laughs> outside brother. on the street and interview people no chance. and you ask them who Joel Damon is and in, in the city of Chicago, the good folks are not gonna shoot a real high percentage yep. there, I don't think. Um will they be in contention enough? for their their Nielsen rating, their TV time to be high over the course of an entire calendar year. Right now, they've done a pretty decent job, but not off the back of their play, simply off the back of taking their shirts off. Um, Meltwater mentions, that is kind of, um, it's kind of a, a trickier one. It's based off of earned media that's like headlines. Yeah, they're probably doing pretty well there. You know, if Harry Higgs eventually gets fined by the PGA Tour, he'll probably get another bump there. But is is anyone writing about Joel Damon right now? No. And then lastly, like Google searches. Tiger Woods is number one. Tiger Woods, how many golf shots did he play on the PGA Tour last year? Uh, well, on the Technically, actual PGA Tour, zero. Show, not a single one. And uh, yeah, the the Google searches matter. So. You just need to be relevant. You need to say things. You need to do things. You need to contend. And you need to have people interested in finding out who you are and what you're up to. I don't think there's a lot of people searching for Joel and Harry. Like it. Big spike. I just looked up Google Trends. Joel Damon. Real good spike around the old waste management. Yeah, exactly. Not since. And who knows when it'll happen again. So I, I think it just... We needed a, a better understanding of this whole thing. The PGA Tour, God bless them, they shared it. They shared the top 10. They shared the breakdown of these categories and how it all it contributes to the money going, getting doled out. They didn't, they didn't think they were going to do that. The PGA Tour decided to change course and share the info, which they are not historically uh, big fans of sharing information. So... I don't know. I fe- it felt like a net win. Um, they also accidentally shared a bunch of email addresses with the rest of the PGA Tour. And that was entertaining for for you and I to, to, to read through the email addresses of tour players. <laughs> Joel Damon really over-indexes in the state of Idaho, Sean. Not surprising. He grew, I mean, he grew up on the, on the Washington State-Idaho border, so checks out. Pacific Northwest, man. Um. You want to talk about the Players' Championship? Are you excited? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think uh, it. <laughs> I, I hate the rhetoric of fifth major. It, it annoys me. I was going to say, talk about it without saying the word major. <laughs> I will. I, I hate the rhetoric that surrounds the tournament. I, I love watching the tournament. It's become a course that I think we all know incredibly well. You have said many times in the past that that's the golden goose for golf watching that Augusta owns is everyone knows every single hole. Well, now that PGA, uh, that TPC Sawgrass has become such an important tournament, we kind of know a lot of the holes out there. I would, I would say at least 10 to 15 of them extremely well. Um, so yeah, that that's what makes it super fun. I think they'll probably have every shot live kind of scenario because the tour wants everyone to, to watch this, sure. this tournament on end. So yeah, it'll be good. Um, the, the only other update that I think we need to discuss is that I think we'll have a secondary podcast this week in which we up we yes. update people on PGA Tour Stock Exchange. 
And so we can preview the PGA to uh, the players championship. Then we can share with the, all of our avid listeners, the Q1 earnings and, you know, buy, sell, hold all the things we're going to do with our PGA tour stocks. The PGA tour stock exchange, Sean, more difficult than I think any of us might've thought at the beginning of the year. Good. That's the idea. I'm selling the hell out of my Patrick Reed stock. I hope you do the same. Sheesh. Uh, who's going to win the players? <laughs> I told you I was going to make you make a pick by the end of the podcast. Here. Uh, this is not usually a Gary pod, Woodland, but maybe we'll maybe we'll more Gary Woodland. I'm holding on to that stock hard. He's been playing great lately. That is such a bad. Pick. Why? Um, I don't know. I don't see Gary Woodland. I talked to players. Tony Finau last week about the Players Championship, and he said. No course that I play every single year has been worse to me than TPC Sawgrass. And it's probably, it probably checks out if Tony believes that he, he struggles. That's really there. funny. Yeah. Um, uh, Big Tone needs to find some form. I was thinking about players that are lower on the, on the ranking than they feel like they should be. Brooks Kepka, 18. Tony Finau, 23. Ooh, those are like the two prime candidates. Tony says his um, game is coming around. Tony's a very good golfer. I, I'm sort of surprised. I think he'll be fine. Uh, who's going to win the Players' Championship? Cameron Smith? No. Morikawa, <laughs> probably. I mean, we're, we're probably both right about the other person's pick being wrong. Just, <laughs> so we're both wrong. you know, based on numbers there. All right, that's enough out of um, me then. We'll, 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 we'll preview the players this week when we talk about... PGA Tour Stock Exchange. We got more golf and more right. golf talk coming. We got the World, World excited, Golf Hall Sean. of Fame this week. Tiger Woods, officially, yes. you can call him a Hall of Famer, but not until Wednesday night. All right. Talk to you from Jacksonville. See ya.